Hello and welcome to Safe Travels. I'm your host, Damian Tisdall. Safe Travels podcast is all about finding expert advice so you can sit back and relax and enjoy worry-free travel. Today I'm speaking with Leslie Stroud of 7wayfinders.com. She and her family, including five kids, were traveling the world when coronavirus came along. She will share the story of how they came to spend the lockdown in New Zealand. She has great advice for traveling with a large family, world schooling, and a lot more. Show notes will be available. To find those, you can visit our Twitter feed. Our handle is Safe Travels FM. You will find links to everything you need there. So please enjoy this conversation with Leslie Stroud of 7wayfinders.com. Leslie, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Leslie, could you just give us a quick overview of what it is that you're up to as far as travel goes, what you and your family are up to? You bet. So my husband and I have five children. Our oldest is 12 and our youngest turns three tomorrow. We have worked remotely for over 10 years in our own business and decided that we wanted to figure out the kind of life we ultimately want to have. So we sold our home and our cars and packed up the rest of our stuff and set out to adventure around the world. We travel usually month by month and are really looking for the place that we want to settle, which is probably going to be Portugal next, but we're really open to anywhere in the whole world. Does that mean you pick a destination, stay there for about a month, and then move along to a new place? That's correct. Yes, we try and stay about a month. There have been some places where we have moved quicker, but we found the month to be just about right for us since we're still working and homeschooling, of course, and we don't go out every single day to adventure. And how did you get started with this? Was it a a clear discussion that got this all started or were you on a trip and you thought this is great? So we decided to go to Florida a few years ago, seven years ago now, and we were looking at Airbnbs in this cute town of Sanibel, Florida. And the Airbnbs would not accept a reservation of less than 30 days by their city law. So I'd heard such good things about this place. I really wanted to go. And I went to my husband and said, what do we do? You know, are we going to stay in a hotel? We already had three kids at that point. And he said, well, there's really no reason why I can't work from there. So we decided to go for a month. And it was a really big adjustment actually at first. The first week was difficult for me. I felt super lonely and isolated and almost threw in the towel. I can remember being in the shower on day five and I just said, I can't do this. I'm I'm so lonely. Like you're working and I'm with the kids and I don't know anyone. So he took some more time to spend time with me and then I just slowly adjusted to kind of being with my kids and making friends with them. That sounds weird, but a lot of parents can probably resonate with the fact that sometimes we're all just so busy, we're kind of coexisting and the relationship maybe isn't as deep as you want. So it forced us all to strengthen those ties together, my husband and I, and then me with my kids and just enjoy the time with them. And we really didn't know anyone else. So by the end of the month, we didn't want to go back. We loved it. And it planted the seed, which we then took the leap. The idea started by happenstance. You needed to rent it for a while. But then it turned into a serious plan. You had, you had things laid out for a five-year plan. We did. We did. We played around with the idea for a long time. Before I actually got pregnant with our last, we really started playing around with the idea, discussing where would we go, what would we do. By the time she was born, we still had not told any of our friends or family, but we started actually booking places. So 
We started out with locations on the West Coast and in Hawaii where we thought, hey, those are places we would move, you know, given the opportunity. Since we can go anywhere, where would we go? And we picked um, Oregon, California, and Hawaii. And we ended up spending our first six months essentially exploring those places. So we booked them over a year in advance, uh, especially the ones in Hawaii. But yeah, we we planned it out Mm -hmm. well in advance, well before we told anyone we didn't actually tell our families until about five months before we were leaving. And it was like, you know, we talked about it, talked about it, dreamed about it, even booked places, put money down. But it still was just a dream. And I remember distinctly it got to the point where it was like, hey, we actually have to decide this. Like I'm committing to things, you know, beyond the date that we're supposed to leave I have to give a commitment to school or to sports or whatever it was going to be. And I just said, we've, we've got it. It's down to the wire. We've got to decide. I was in, but I found out my husband was still a little bit on the fence and we had to have a little, you know, head to head about, are we really going? And we have to decide now. So we did. And then we started telling our parents and slowly packing up our house. We packed up our house for about six months, telling our kids, showing them videos, kind of prepping them. We told a lot of our friends pretty close to the day we left, just because it's a very abstract idea. And people are like, what do you mean? Why would you, why would you leave? You know, it's kind of, it was kind of difficult for it most probably, people to understand. <laughs> and it probably cuts down a lot of explaining and questions. You had better things to do planning your trip than uh, going over the same explanation every time. Exactly, exactly. And we, for the most part, got positive feedback, but we did get some negative as well. I had a few people come up and say, oh, my parents moved me to Germany for a job in my high school years, and it ruined my brother's life. Legitimately had people tell me this, and I, I can, I, I'm okay now that I'm 60, but it really changed the trajectory. I really think that you should reconsider mm-hmm. doing this. So... <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, those. Thank that, you. That's so helpful. Exactly. You <laughs> and you are you are very yeah. much in a state of unknown, right? You're questioning yourself constantly. You know, you you have this resolve, but it's extremely difficult to detach from that life. So it's helpful not mm-hmm. to have additional layers of doubt. It's a big decision. I'm just thinking of going through that myself. And that would be hard because you go from the talking stage to, okay, are we really going to do this? And then you start looking at all the actual logistics of it and it probably gets overwhelming. It's very overwhelming. I had many sleepless nights and, you know, moving in general is extremely traumatic. I had a person tell me once there's, you know, divorce, death and moving and they're all, you know, very traumatic events in our life. And moving in general is very traumatic. You're dealing with the memories of your stuff. You're dealing with relationships. You're dealing with the trauma around that with all the members of your family and how you all deal with it. So trying to do that while jumping off of a cliff and you can't really see what's on the other side, it takes a lot of, just a lot of motivation to do that. It's difficult. And your family doesn't want you to go. Your friends don't really understand why you're seeking for something else when you have, you know, quote unquote, what everyone has, what everyone wants. And so it's it's mm-hmm. very difficult. And do you have any goals with your travels, like bucket list items? Are you trying to visit a certain number of countries or pick a place to stay for a longer 
period of time or certain experiences? Really, our goal was to find a place that we felt like was our new home. We didn't have any number in mind for countries to visit. We each had countries we would like to see. For my husband, that was Japan. For me, it was definitely seeing elephants in Thailand and going to Europe. I was so excited. We surprisingly had not traveled that much international together. We'd only really been international twice before this. I traveled quite a bit as a child with my parents, but really only to the Caribbean as their big scuba divers. So really our experience of the world is quite small compared to some old-time mm. travelers who, you know, they can say, oh, before kids, we saw 54 countries and with kids, we've seen an additional 30. That is not us. And that really wasn't our goal. We don't try and jump from country to country. Our goal is really to settle into a place and feel it out and say, what would our life be like here? You know, we've been able to live in all different kinds of homes, from farmhouses to apartments in big cities to suburbs. You know, we've really been able to try out so many different ways of life. And that was our ultimate goal. And we love meeting people in the places we've been. I love that when coronavirus hit, I could go through my contacts on WhatsApp and text people all over the world and just say, what's it like in Bangkok? What's it like in Portugal? You know, how are you doing? What are the restrictions like? I found that to be a really cool byproduct of what we've done. I don't discredit those people at all, but I don't think you're really giving a lot of credit to a country when you've been there for three to five days. You know, I don't know that you can necessarily say what it's really like there. So that's just not our vibe. We would love to kind of almost live like locals as much as possible, which is why we wait for a long time. So our ultimate goal was to figure out where do we want to live? What kind of life ultimately do we want? And we have settled on our next sort of place to live, which is great. So right now you're in New Zealand and then along comes coronavirus. Exactly. So we were in Europe and just felt like it was time to go see New Zealand. We could kind of tell that our wick was burning low overall on our world adventures. We were kind of getting a little bit burnout, missing relationships primarily, especially for our oldest daughter who is now 12. So with that in mind, we said, hey, New Zealand's our bucket list item. One of them, you know, we've got to get over there, even though it doesn't make any sense coming from literally the other side of the world. But we booked our flights from Paris to New Zealand, came here. We planned to be here for three months already. And about month two, is when coronavirus really hit. So we debated staying, going, but we really have nowhere else to go other than our parents' homes. And, you know, saddling anyone with our five kids is asking a lot. So we decided we'll just stay here. We probably have to do an Airbnb there anyway. So we might as well just stay in the one we're in. And of course, New Zealand has handled the coronavirus in an amazing way, but it does mean that we're on complete full lockdown, really the strictest that I've heard so far. So uh, we've kind of watched our plans for Australia, where we would be right now all fizzle away and fall apart. Our plan was to do Australia, Tahiti, and then South America before we settled into Portugal. But most of that has fallen apart. We still technically have flights to Tahiti, but they're not accepting non-residents at this point. So 
I am very mm-hmm. doubtful. And you said New Zealand has handled it very seriously. So is that a full lockdown? How would you describe that? It was very interesting because the rest of the world was starting to worry and New Zealand was not really doing anything at first except they shut the borders. So life was kind of this weird middle ground where we could still go see stuff. But, you know, people in California and San Francisco, for example, were already sheltering in place. So it was kind of strange. We actually went to go see the glowworms on the North Island. And that day, while we were there, the prime minister announced a complete level four lockdown. So not joking, in the middle of our tour, they shut it off, said we're shutting down right now, even though she gave 48 hours. We immediately headed Mm -hmm. to the only kind of Walmart-like store here, which is called The Warehouse. Mm -hmm. was not mass pandemonium by any means, but we did also stop by the grocery store next door and they they were already seeing the rush similar to the United States. So they were limiting you know, one item per category or two items per category, which kept New Zealand mm-hmm. stocked really well. We never had the situation of so many of our friends and family where they couldn't find an item. And then we headed home. So the, really the only thing that you were allowed to do is either go to the grocery store or take a walk around your neighborhood. Everything else is shut except for pharmacies and hospitals. So there is no takeout, or there wasn't. There is no takeout. There is no fast food. There is no Walmart kind of store. There is no doctor's appointments. Everything has to wait. Um, There's no post Mm -hmm. office open. We've talked to a lady who has like chronic back problems and she can't see her doctor, you know? So it was a complete ghost town for four weeks. I was going to ask about handling safety concerns, but it sounds like with a a shutdown of that severity, you really, I mean, as long as there's a hospital where you are, I can't imagine what other safety concerns you might have. Yeah, there really is nothing. And it was an amazing approach because they really did kind of stamp it out. We're now watching numbers of zero cases a day, one case a day, two cases. So it's mm-hmm. it's pretty incredible. Yeah. And there's really not a lot of safety concerns. They put in immediate practices at the grocery store of one person per household, limiting how many went in, things that we kind of watched in the U.S. with our friends and family implement at different times, of course, because every state handled it differently, but it was nationwide here. So you mentioned the next stop, the next tentative stop was Portugal. You know, obviously right now you're just waiting, but how are you going to plan that going forward? Is there something that's going to ease concerns so that you're ready to plan that next stage? Yes. So actually my husband would love to go right now. And I am the one that's holding us back a little bit. He is not concerned at all. We've been watching Portugal and even at the peak of their cases, it looked like they were still allowing residents of the United States. Because of flight cuts out of New Zealand, there's really only two places you can go from New Zealand right now, which is either Los Angeles or Hong Kong. So we determined we definitely will have to pass back through the United States, which was kind of a bummer, to be honest. That's been, you know, a huge hotspot for the virus. So we were worried if that will limit us going anywhere else. But it looks like now things are fine and we should be able to go with the idea in mind, though, that we are going back to the United States either way. Of course, we'll see our family and Mm -hmm. they would see us either way, but I really want to see people. So I'm kind of just waiting for that to happen and then we will go to Lisbon from there. So there are no concerns on the New Zealand side. You would be able to go to the airport and depart there without any issues? 
Yes, through the whole lockdown, they always said that you can travel if you're leaving. So in the strictest mm -hmm. parts, they said you would have to show proof of a flight. They cut all domestic travel except for shipping freight, essentially, and probably medical personnel if they needed it. So we can't travel at all from like the north to the South Island. They did start re-adding those back for people who want to leave like the South Island. When we moved to level three, you're now allowed to take a domestic flight if you're leaving the country. But as far mm -hmm. as I know, we've been able to leave the whole time. We ended up in a funny little cul-de-sac of Airbnbs all owned by the same family. And I've been texting the owner quite a bit, talking to her on the phone. And all of the units ended up getting filled with people in a similar situation. I was reading the other day, there's an estimated 100,000 people here that just kind of hunkered down. So you feel very alone, but really there's tons and tons of tourists here. And we've been looking at flights just off and on. And it seems like there's about two flights a week to Los Angeles. I think we mm -hmm. can leave at any. So leaving there is good. And then going into Portugal would be okay? Yeah, as far as we know, the only part I'm not clear on is if we will need to quarantine, which I don't know how you do that. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any restrictions on us coming in. I just don't know when we get there. Well, exactly mm -hmm. that will look like. So it seems like it's the connecting in the United States that is the question mark. Is there something that's going to let you know when it's okay to, to make that flight reservation? I think it's just our personal comfort level. There is also a little bit of chatter here in New Zealand about opening a bubble with Australia. I don't think we're going to wait to see the outcome of that. But while we're waiting for the opportunity to hopefully see more people in the United States, we're going to monitor that. And if it does open up between Australia Australia and New Zealand, there's a small chance we might take advantage of that as well. As far as I know, Australia has closed their borders for at least a year. I've talked to several, several people over there and they all say the same thing. New Zealand has pretty much said they're going to keep their borders shut until there's a vaccine. So neither of these countries is going mm -hmm. to be accessible for probably at least a year at this point, which is a little bit mind-blowing. But with that in mind, if, if something were to happen up, there's a possibility we could go over to Australia too. seems like a, a difficult decision. And, and a lot of us are being put into that now where a lot of the um, no, official recommendations are changing a little bit. So it's, it's becoming more of a personal decision. And I think a lot of people are going to be dealing with the same thing. I agreed. And I think everyone has a different response and a different level of concern and fear. Some of us are going to be out there sooner than other people think is wise. I read a great post the other day that just said, in all situations, just be kind, right? And just be understanding and do what's best for you. And I think that's great advice. I agree. Well, just moving a little bit away from COVID-19, this show is about helping people with worry-free travel. And I'd like to ask just some general advice from you. And you have great background in obviously traveling with a family and it sounds like some road schooling. So I'd love to just ask a, a few general tips that you'd like to share with people, maybe with a special thought towards families. Yes. I've been thinking about this question and I think probably one of my biggest pieces of advice is there's a really good middle ground to planning before you go. But we have lived mm -hmm. on both sides of that coin. Sometimes you can do too much research and almost 
freeze yourself up with concern or worry or what if, or you can pack your schedule so full that you're not going to see anything authentic, essentially. You know, you're scheduling Mm -hmm. this event, this event, this place, this place, this place, all off the blogs and everything that you're reading. When in reality, it might be best if you just show up with a little bit more of a free schedule. We've also, in the course of our travels, moved to the complete opposite side where we do almost no research at all. And we're booking flights or tickets, not really knowing what we're doing. For the most part, that's okay, but it also can, of course, bite you in the butt. We have some really good travel friends that we actually met in Bali, a similar situation to us. They were self-employed. They decided they just wanted to travel. So we ended up traveling together for three months, and it was such a joy, such a highlight of our life. But after they left us, they went to Korea. And a great example of this is they just said, you know what? There's bullet trains to this other city every 30 minutes. We don't need to buy tickets in advance. So they showed up with all of their luggage and had to wait eight hours for the next available (laughs) train with five tickets on it. So there's a very good middle ground. I would say know just enough to get around and maybe pick one or two things that are really important to you to schedule. After that, it's okay to just go and don't be afraid. One thing I've learned over all the course of our travel and all the 30 plus countries we've been to is life is almost the same everywhere. People do just about the same things, right? They love their kids. They go to work. They have medical problems. They like to have fun. They eat out. So the scenery will change a lot, but life is very similar everywhere. And you're going to be able to find anything you need. We've had a couple medical emergencies in our travels. I had one, our four-year-old had one where we both ended up in a hospital. It turned out to be just fine. Was it scary? Absolutely. It was terrifying in the moment, but that would have been the case even if we were back in the United States, right? Mm -hmm, right. So I think an important thing is to just find a good middle ground where you're not overscheduling or overstressing, but you have a little bit of general knowledge of what you're going into. And then once you get there, you're going to, you're going to find that it's, it's all fine. Most likely they're very used to tourists pretty much everywhere we've been. They're used to tourists. We're not going into the mountains of Nepal or anything like that with our five kids. Kids are extremely adaptable as well. So even if you're showing up to the airport and saying, oh gosh, our plane is delayed 10 hours. Let's put down my coat and take a nap. They're going to do that. You know, our kids are obviously very used to the ups and downs by now, but overall worldwide, kids are extremely adaptable. So as long as you're calm and you are not stressing out or freaking out or yelling at anyone, they're going to be calm too. They trust you. Keep that in mind, you know, keep in mind how you're acting in front of them. And as long as you're chill, they're going to be chill too. Great advice. What mistakes do you see travelers make that you can help them avoid? Oh boy. I think it just goes back to what I just said, which is kind of overscheduling and missing the authenticity of a plate. It's really, really easy to do. You know, you get 10 days off of work. You want to go see Rome. You're doing years of research, potentially planning this trip. And so you have your list of 30 items that you want to fit in. Those are going to be great and they're going to be fun, but you might miss some really cool 
stuff in the meantime. So if I mm. had five days and I was planning, I would probably only schedule two to three of those. And then I would get up and I would just wander around. There's incredible value mm. to doing that. I mean, if you're in the city, of course, just get up and walk outside. But even if you're not, just head in to wherever you're trying to go to park or take the train or take the bus or take a driver and don't have any deadlines for yourself. You're going to avoid that vacation fatigue that all of us are familiar with where you need a vacation from your vacation. And you're also going to fall in love even more with the place that you went. You're going to maybe find a gelato shop in Rome that you didn't have on your list and you're going to start talking with a local that speaks English and they're going to tell you about this show two nights from now and you're going to go buy tickets. I mean, all these things have happened to us. And in general, they tend to be way more memorable than the super touristy spot, right? That was packed with people, you know, essentially. And you're mm. like, oh yeah, I saw it. So I can say I saw it, but I sure enjoyed that experience more over there. So. And, and I've also heard people say, even if they're obsessive planners, they'll even plan in downtime, just plan in time with, exactly. with nothing there. So that means just be where you are. So you can be a planner, but still block in there that says nothing. Exactly. I'm a big planner and I tend to have like my list of items I want to see in a place. Thankfully, I have a month, but I do exactly that. I just schedule days where there's nothing scheduled. And then I have a rough idea mm -hmm. of what we're going to do. But if we wake up and we're not feeling it or someone's sick or we've heard about something else in the meantime, then we go do that instead. Let's talk about some myths and misconceptions, specifically uh, maybe with family travel or traveling with a large family that you can help debunk? So before we left, I was very worried about finding places to stay, especially with a family of seven. I had heard a story of another family with four kids and they'd gone to Europe somewhere and couldn't get a hotel room. And they were telling me, nowhere takes that many kids. We had to sleep in our rental van and you know, the police were knocking on the, and I was very stressed. <laughs> Um, that is just not true. Okay. So like I said before, life happens everywhere and you're going to be able to find everything you need. Some people say things to me like, oh, they don't like tourists or they don't like Americans. That's just a very general statement. And yeah, you're probably going to find some people that don't. For example, when we went to Paris, I was like, oh boy, we're coming with all these little kids. We're obviously American. We know no French. They're going to hate us there. So I went in a little nervous. And if you are not going to be, you know, assuming that you know the right thing, if you're obviously going to come in with a dose of humility, they're going to help you. People love to help you. So you can be standing at the airport and have locals come up and say, where do you need to go? I've had that happen countless times. I've had a man mm -hmm. in Tokyo as I was standing in one of the largest train stations in the world with four kids, one on my back and three little kids in my hands. And he just said, where, where are you wanting to go? I was just looking at the signs, trying to look at my phone. And he said, I will just walk you He literally just walked me to the place I wanted to go. And you know, That's wonderful. it was wonderful. It's, it's so good to know you're going to be able to find anything you need. And people are kind. People are so kind. There's also those nasty naysayers, but they're so much the minority everywhere you go. So, you know, 
Go in with a sense of humility. Be willing to say, I don't know what I'm doing. I could use your help. Mm. You know, I'm not from here. I'm sorry I don't speak your language. These are the things we always say. We always try and learn at least hello and thank you and please in every place that we go because those go a mile, right? Being polite goes a mile. So I just, I'm trying to debunk the myth that there's places you can't go or there's places people don't want you to go or you're not going to be able to find what you need. That's just not true. And I'm also curious about road schooling. So you have a full classroom practically. We do. Any specific tips with that? Because that that must keep you quite busy. That was a big stumbling block for me in thinking of leaving was leaving school. I was never planning to be a homeschooling mom. I very much admired them, but found it completely overwhelming. And it took months and months of research for me to even grasp what I was going to do. I will say that especially now with COVID-19, everyone's had a taste (laughs) of homeschooling. So that gives everyone a leg up. But thankfully, we live in a day and age where almost everything is digital or can be digital. So I was able to find a company out of Utah, actually, that kind of lets you pick classes for your kids, kind of like you're signing them up for college classes. So you buy credit and then you can pick subject by subject by subject. And that is the real advantage of homeschooling is that you can customize it in any single way that you want. Obviously, a big part of our road schooling or world schooling is seeing different places around the world. So with COVID and that being shut down, it's really taken a step back. We do plenty of book work, which I've met, you know, probably over a hundred travel families online at this point and I've had a wide variety of what people do while they road school. I tend to be a lot more on the traditional side in that I'm having them write every single day that we homeschool. I'm having them do math facts. I'm having them read. I'm doing a lot of the more traditional approach to school. And we're taking a pretty aggressive stand as far as I've seen among other families like us in that, you know, it can last four to six hours to get through our homeschool, which is why we don't go see things every day. Some people are doing Mm. 15 minutes, you know, and then just saying we're going to a museum. And I think all of those approaches are great. You're going to do what's comfortable to you. And this is what was comfortable to me. And so thankfully, everything is online. As long as my kids have their Chromebook, they're good to go. I have ordered some um, handbooks because I realized pretty quickly that they weren't writing anything. You know, they were doing all kinds of stuff online, but they were not actually writing, which is a big skill to, you know, tell my seven-year-old, go write three paragraphs in your journal is a major learning curve. And I think that's another word of advice is everything is difficult in the beginning. Every single thing, every part about our adventure has been difficult in the beginning because you're getting used to something new. So if you're considering road schooling or world schooling, You're going to get plenty of kickback from your kids. You're going to have days where you want to quit. But the more you're consistent, the more you just keep at it, the better they're going to be. I can remember when we left, I would tell my second oldest son, okay, it's time for your travel journal. He would just sit down and cry and say, I can't do this. Don't know how to write. And over two years now of sitting with him, practicing, practicing our letters, me reviewing it, giving him words of encouragement. Also just, you know, saying, get it done, you know, get it done. I'll be over here and you let me know when you're done. He now can whip that out. No problem. So you're going to have to be consistent. 
you're going to have to figure out what's important to you. And thankfully, within the homeschooling world, there are two million options. So you're going to find exactly what you want. You're probably going to modify it as you go. I've modified several times and figured out what I am most comfortable with and what levels I'm comfortable with. And, you know, we also know that our kids have gained so much from just traveling that they never, ever, ever could have gotten in a classroom. So there's a huge value to that. And I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, have any feelings about families that just say, that's the only education we're providing. I think that that's great. You know, I, I think that's fantastic. I don't think anything poorly about them because they're getting tons of education by interacting with people, figuring out currency conversions, dealing with money from around the world. It's hilarious to look at my wallet because I have probably 12 different currencies in my wallet at all times <laughs> until we go to a currency mm-hmm. converter or, you know, sometimes we don't have enough to to justify turning it in to another currency. So I just keep it in my wallet and they can all recognize it. And they say, oh, that's from Thailand and that's from China. And oh, there's the euro, you know, and they don't remember the amounts anymore. But it's been really fun to get into a place and teach them, okay, take that number and just multiply it by two and a half, you know, or whatever it is. So they're getting tons out of road schooling per se. So Yeah. And, and I'm sure in ways that you don't even know as well, just just in day-to-day life and such new experiences that you're having, I'm, I'm sure they're learning a ton. Absolutely. Yes. Leslie, where can people find you online and get in touch if they want to? We are primarily on Instagram as far as social media. We also are on Facebook, but we do most of our activity on Instagram. So it's just seven wayfinders on Instagram. I also have a blog, which is sort of just my passion project, and I find it very therapeutic (laughs) for myself, sharing tips, sharing things I've learned. So that is just sevenwayfinders.com. And we also have documented a lot of our journey through videos. So we're also on YouTube under Seven Wayfinders. Oh, great. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Thank you very much. This has been very helpful today, and you've brought a lot of insight into not only dealing with coronavirus on the road, but family travel and world schooling. So thank you very much. Thank you. I hope you have enjoyed our conversation today. Remember, there will be show notes and links. You can find links to show notes from our Twitter page. Our Twitter handle is Safe Travels FM. I have a small favor to ask. This is a new show, and so far, feedback has been great, but we could use a good boost. There are a lot of ways that you can help. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast player app. You can rate us on the Apple Podcast app. You can share it with friends. You can share it to social media. All of these things would help. I would really appreciate it. Thanks again. Safe travels.